you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. We're back, baby. You better believe it. Life after addiction. There is life after addiction. Bruce, today, man, we are going to talk about a subject that, man, needs to be talked about, and we don't do enough of and what we're doing. And, and so we, we really want to have uh, people to think about this, but we're going to talk about the family and loved ones. We're going to address those people. We're going to address the loved ones and the family of people who have someone in their life that they love so much that's battling an addiction. And then also, we're going to talk to you if you've recently come out of an addiction and you're early on in this walk or maybe you're still in it and, and how you should approach your family and loved ones. Uh, and so, Bruce, to the families, what would you say? Yeah, this is tough, man. And and the reason it's tough for for me and for you, Adam, yeah, is yeah. that and we're the ones who caused the suffering to yeah. our families and our friends. You know, yeah. so I want to be really gentle here and and making that point that that I I don't have full value in what that feels like right. from that end, right? But I can also say that as somebody who's working in recovery and runs a ministry uh, for residential rehab, and we deal with family members a lot, and we get that perspective. And there's been a lot of restoration in my personal story with my wife and my family that I can relate to those things. So I, I feel comfortable in speaking about it. Right. And so what I would like to say is, man, you know, uh, when you've been manipulated when you've been made a fool of, when you've been taken advantage of, uh, man, there's some sorrow, there's some anger, there's some pain in that, that naturally I think we just want to retaliate, Mm. you know, and that you won't do that to me again. I'll show you, this is what's going to happen now. Uh, Or even from the other side of it, which is, man, I'm not, I'm, how can I fix you? Like yeah. the things I'm doing, it's my fault that you're not changing. It's what else should I do? You know, I have to blame myself for these things. Uh, I mean, both of those avenues um, are, are, are feelings that are very real yeah. that happen from two different points of view. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's so interesting. And so uh, I would say we, again, I, I share your thought. It, it's It's very cautious and very... Um, very careful uh, addressing this topic from the speaking to the families because we were the ones that hurt the families. Mm-hmm. And again, I could share that we we do we work with families now, uh, but we also man we we grow to love these guys, and we too have those moments of feeling just like why are you not getting it? You know what what is your we want to shake somebody? You know just like mm-hmm. the families do. But what what I would lovingly say um, to the family is that, man, it, it's it's not fair. Um, it hurts uh, that you're going through this. It's not your fault that someone is exchanging the glory for God for a cheap substitute. Um, but with that, I would also say that there's, and this is boldly, I'll say this because, again, it, it needs to be said, um, and if probably from someone else, but just from what we've seen. And if you think that the years that we've had in this industry and, and seeing guys and working with families is worth anything, then then hear this advice. There are 
certain situations, and we all know the word enable, you're an enabler, there are times when a family member could literally be loving someone to death. What they feel is loving. I'm being loving. And so here's what I want to encourage. Here's what I would say to you. It is right, righteous, and good if you set up strong boundaries and do really hard things that you do not want to do, that they feel bad. They feel like I'm hurting him. They feel like I'm um, walking away from him or her. I feel like I'm abandoning them. And they will even say the, the someone in addiction, they know what to say to pull your strings. They know what to say to break your heart and they're going to say it. But to set up boundaries, to set up things in the aspect of if you don't go get help, you can't live here. And the response might be, well, if I can't live here, I'm going to harm myself. Man, that's, a, that's something that a lot of parents will hear. And then as a parent, you hear that and it's like, no, 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 I can't. I don't want them to kill himself. I don't want them to harm themselves. And my advice to that is take that comment very seriously. In fact, there's training, whatever state you're listening to this on, the state, you can go to free training about suicide, about the signs of it, how to work with it. There's questions that you ask. I would encourage you, if, if your child, if your father, if your brother, whoever the loved one is, has talked about suicide, go and educate yourself on it, but take it serious. And if someone threatens that, and it seems like a real threat, and you can go and take this training on to, so you could discern of that threat, then you need to take appropriate action. There's crisis teams that you can call. There's things that can be done that can assist you in that aspect. But you've got to understand this. If you continue to allow it uh, to make it easy for someone to stay in addiction, they will. If you make it hard for someone to stay in addiction and really easy for someone to go into a place of recovery, that's the best place to be. And sometimes, Bruce, those decisions are the hardest ones, man, because they feel like you're abandoning your, your no, everyone else in the world's given up on this person. I'm the last person. And if I just don't allow them to stay here or give them this money or provide this kind of environment, um, they're going to have no one. Yeah, absolutely. And I can, I can, I just want to say to your comment about the harming myself or suicide. I mean, these things are very real. Yeah. Uh, the statistics of suicide rates in this country, whether it's addiction or not, are very real. And and so we're we're trying to keep this within the boundaries of addiction and what might happen to a family lo- family member or loved one in these scenarios. But yeah, take it very seriously. But in saying that and taking it very seriously, I mean, what, what we're saying and getting informed is that you do something that's going to be hard. You're going to do something that's going to be hard. And just from somebody who was the addict, right? Man, we go to great lengths to manipulate people. And unfortunately, the ones we do it most with are the ones we love. Mm. And I will say something that I don't really mean in order for you to do what I want you to do. That's right. And so if somebody says, man, I'm going to kill myself, then do what's necessary. I'm taking that seriously. I'm not taking that lightly. So I'm calling the police. I have somebody here who's saying they're going to kill themselves. Yeah, and whatever it is, the state or you know tells you to do. But I mean, that's that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, and what's going to happen is it's going to teach a person like me or somebody I used to be like in the, in my addiction is that, hey, I can't get away with saying that stuff. Yeah. 
You're going to take that seriously. Yeah, I can't go there anymore because this is going to be a consequence of it. If I don't really mean it. If I'm using that as a form of manipulation and I see that you're going to take it serious out of love and there's consequences to me saying something that serious, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but the the flip side of that is I am serious and that's why you you still make the same choice and you save that person's life. Absolutely. And so that's that's the hard – you know, we hear this phrase all the time, tough love. And it's it's almost become a colloquialism, you know, and, and, and it's lost its value, I think, in what it really means. But, yeah, you, you've got to do things that are hard for the people that you love. Yeah. And here's the other thing I want to say. It's not your fault. Yeah. I don't care if, if the situation ends up being the biggest tragedy that it could possibly be. It's not your fault. Yeah. That, and, and when I said that you're loving someone to death, that didn't mean that it's your fault that they're in the situation. I'm saying um, it, it, you could be one that's allowing them and helping them stay in the situation. You didn't cause it by no means. And, and, and I'll just I'll, I'll say this. Family, uh, we're going to kind of transition now. We're at the halfway mark. We're going to kind of transition to talking to the the person – coming out of it, how they should view the family. And I'll start with this, families. This might not be what you want to hear. This might not be um, – you might not even believe this, but 99.9999999% of the guys, when they come in our program, the chemicals have worn off, the emotions are flooding in, the shame and the guilt is hitting them. 99.99% of the time – that shame that the person is feeling is not because of look where my life is. It's because of look at who I've hurt. The Absolutely. people that I love the yep. most, my mom, my wife, my dad, my son, my daughter, my brother, my cousin, whoever it may be, they're instantly so ashamed of what they did to someone. And here's what I'll also say. When things clear up, if someone... Looks to God and they start growing in God, they will thank you at some point for the hard things that you had to do. When and when in that moment they said, I hate you, absolutely. I mean, I can only say from my own testimony, uh, <laughs> my wife uh, was divorcing me at the time. This yeah. was my second wife, right? So she was making some hard decisions, and it, it came after a long period of her wanting to see me recover and having hope that that would be the case and just grace upon grace upon grace. But she came to realization, in fact, uh, she joined Al-Anon, which, you know, we can talk about 12-step and these kind of things, which Al-Anon is a part of, of Alcohol Anonymous. That's how it was started. But the, the one of the best things about that program is it teaches people how to say no. Yeah. It teaches them how to create healthy boundaries. So we, we're going to have all these segments where we're going to talk about 12-step programs yeah. and what they, they can't do and all this kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean it's all bad. Like fundamentally, some of the things that they teach you know, come from the goodness of God. And God tells us to say no. Yeah. And when I started hearing no from my wife, uh, and I knew that I can't manipulate her anymore, and the decisions she was making were like causing me to, to do things in my life that I normally wouldn't have done if she hadn't done that. And yeah. I, I, like you said, I came back later and said, thank you. Yeah. You know, and my story is that my wife and I did get back together. That doesn't happen for everybody. But I will say that I was thankful 
that she did those things because it ultimately is what saved our marriage. It's what you know became a catalyst to how my life got worse. And 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 then when I finally got on my knees and confessed to God that I needed help. Yeah, and that's the that's right before we're about to talk to the the person and how to view the family. But to complement that, in my own story, my wife same thing. But even maybe you're a parent listening to this. I remember my parents going, to, and so you go and get, go and seek uh, fellowship families. There's there's groups out there. Go and seek fellowship and wise counsel. Uh, have community. You don't have to be ashamed to keep it a secret and all that. That's another flaw. You're trying to keep it hush hush. There is a community of people out there with as ravage, ravaging as addiction is. It's so widespread that man, you would be surprised that you didn't even know. But man, their son's going through it too. I would add. My parents learned something too, and eventually the doors started getting locked, and I couldn't come inside and all of these things. But and, and I would say the worst things. I remember when my parents dropped me off at the last rehab the last time. I remember my mom telling the person that she thinks I hate them and was wondering how in the world can I get any information on him because he's not going to call us because he hates us. And I made them feel that way because they no longer believed my lies. Mm. No longer believed my lies. And today, I thank them for the things they did. I love them, their courage, their boldness, and I'm so sorrowful for what I did. So hopefully that helps now. Now, to you, oh person, oh brother, oh sister, who um, is coming out of this situation, uh, you feel set free, you feel all this hope, and then you walk home, you walk in the door from rehab, and what? Nothing's changed here. Oh, man, there is still some anger and bitterness and no trust. What does that do to you? Yeah, I mean, the wake of destruction <coughs> that we cause uh, aren't necessarily, I mean, those things aren't going to be removed. And I can, I can tell you from my, I mean, I'm always going to resort to my own testimony because really that's all I've got. Sure. You know, I, I do have experience in helping others and recovery and this kind of thing, but... I mean, nothing is more provable than my own testimony. And, 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 and I can say that, and yeah, God changed my life. He changed my life. But at the same time, he didn't remove the consequences of the things that I caused in my life. And I had to walk through those things with God and how I overcame them. And one of the biggest things was the, the, the wake of destruction that I caused in my family and among my friends. And I'm talking about friends who loved me. I'm not talking about friends that I was acquaintances with, that I was getting high with and all these things. But yeah, I had to deal with that stuff. And to the person who is just coming out of rehab or or walking newly in these new steps, uh, the way I would suggest that you first take this is, one, don't be offended. Because all the growth that has happened in your life that God is changing you and, and you are realizing yourself that you're thinking differently, you're acting differently. Nobody else has walked that with you. And so they're left with the last impression you gave them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would just compliment that. That's absolutely true. The expectation, and here's how I word it. The same grace that you received when you came into a program and see that God's grace is lavished over you for all the, wickedness that we've just destruction and devastation that we caused and we come to know that this undeserved grace that god lavishes on us and his love and his mercy that we received show the family the same grace 
You caused that devastation. Live in a way that honors God. And, you know, and I would say that, that, that if they're Christ followers, that that trust comes back, that stuff comes back. I would say that in that aspect, but I'd also just let you know, man, that's not everyone's story. Just like Bruce said, his marriage was restored. Thank God my marriage was restored, but that's not everyone's story. And then I would say this, if that's your story where that someone's never trusting you again and just is too hurt by the things you've done, understand you caused that, but also that that doesn't define you anymore and you can't let that bring you down. God needs to work on them. God needs to soften their heart to things and learn to forgive. You can't control that and you don't bring that up to them. You just know that you're going to continue growing. You're going to continue to walk Mm -hmm. in sanctification. And if God changes their hearts and they forgive you, awesome. But their forgiveness doesn't cause you to be in this walk of growth or not. What they do has no effect on what you do. Yeah, and let me let me say something to the effect of that person and their expectation towards people that they hurt. Is that uh, you know, like you said, that we we have to uh, have the same kind of grace with them as God's had with us in those things. But at the same time, uh, there's just going to be people who will never forgive us. Yeah. There are going to be people who will never trust us again. Sure. Uh, and like you said, we don't identify with that. Uh, we have confidence in where God's leading us to in this new life. And that God will replace those things in our life. Um, and yeah, there's going to be sorrow and grief. That's just natural. But we, we can't allow it to, to bring us to a place where that shame and that guilt and stuff come back to to destroy us. It's just... Yeah, and, and I'll add this. There's kind of a, from doing this, I see that there's kind of a, a scale. for. And again, we're talking to the one that's gone through addiction. They come home. They're Now they have this this situation where family and loved ones don't trust them or still look at them funny or they'll hide the purse when they walk in. Here's what I've seen. There's families that immediately... Welcome home. We're so proud of you. And they give you that shot right from the beginning. You are new. Then there's ones that take a little longer, right? There's ones that's going to take, you're going to have to, you're gonna, I mean, it's earned trust, I guess, is quote unquote. I'm doing finger air quotes, but you can't say what Bruce can. Uh, earn the trust back. And, and rightfully so. Show the grace to those people. And then there's the people that are never going to trust you again. But if you go back one episode, episode six, Seven, <laughs> go back to episode seven. We talk about identity. Your identity is not in what they think of you mm-hmm. or if they trust you or not. Your identity is in Christ, and that's where you stand firm. Yeah, and that is huge. That is huge. And I would encourage people to go back and listen to episode seven because that's where we talked about uh, identity, is that that's where you end up with. And let me say this thing, too, because I see a lot of this, and I myself used to do it. But what I learned in my walk with Christ different than other programs and methodologies that I tried. There's this, always this desire from the, from the recovering addict, from the person who's walking away from that lifestyle into the new lifestyle of Christ, is that there's this desire to want to prove things to people. And, you know, we have boundaries that we set at our ministry and at the Rehabilitation Center. And one of those things is phone calls, mm. right? Like we have a blackout period oh, yeah. during the first week that everybody comes in. And, man, that's just, like, really hard, right? Like, I've got to – because, like you said, the emotions are coming about all the guilt and shame and having yeah. hurt people. 
man, I've got to call this person. I've got to talk make, to this person. I've got to make amends. I've got to say I'm sorry. And we keep that from happening for a good reason. As we, would, we try to get guys to focus on what we're having them do there. Yeah. Uh, because those things are just going to be hard to deal with, especially yeah. first in your first week. You know. But ultimately what ends up happening is when they do get the phone privileges back and they want to call – uh, and I have to, the guys that I'm coaching, I, I have to always give them the same speech. It's like, man, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You don't have to go down the itinerary of everything you're doing, how you're changing, what God has enlightened you to, and how you've seen your error of your ways and all this kind of stuff. You, you can say all that, but to the person who's going to be receiving that, you have to remember that to them, it's just the same old lies. Yeah. And words are cheap. But what you can do, is you can just say, I, I understand, you know, uh, that it's going to take some time. And mean it. And mean it. And you can even say that. Yeah. yeah. And you can say, look, there's nothing I can do that's going to prove to you anything. So I'm just going to let the things that God's doing in my life and the changes that are going to be happening for you just to view for yourself. Yeah. And that's, like, see, that's your testimony. Your testimony isn't. A, a resume of all your accomplishments and the things that God's done and changing your life and how you, you're not this anymore, you were that, right? Your testimony is how you live your life and that people see that. That's what they ultimately trust. Yeah. Um, and, and that's hard. That's hard for the, the person in recovery, the person who's walking away from that old lifestyle because your, your automatic desire is, well, I have to let them know that I did this thing so they'll know. Because if I don't tell them, then they won't know, and then they won't understand like the changes they're having in my life. It's like, yeah, but that's not going to be what proves anything to anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the time we have. We hope this helps families or uh, the ones that have gone through addiction. You have further questions? Email us. You'll get the email address at the end of the show. Email us and let's talk. And we're going to take one of those questions right now. And here's the question, Bruce: For someone who wants wait, 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 peace, where's this from? I'll go, this is from Lincoln, Nebraska. Nebraska. Miles right. from Lincoln, Nebraska says, For someone who wants the peace and comfort and understanding that you have, I guess he's talking about us, that we have, okay. what would you say was the biggest thing that led you there? So again, for someone who wants the peace and comfort and understanding, what would you say is the biggest thing that led you there? And man, and Bruce, I think we could address this both to families and to the person that's gone through addiction. Tell, tell the families, how can you have this peace and understanding and comfort? Man, it's nothing less or more than the assurance and confidence that we have in our identity with Christ. And that means that it doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on with the loved one that I care so much about, that I myself am secure and who I am. And that I can love these people, I can have peace about the decisions I'm making if they're rooted in what God's calling me to do. And therefore, I can see that it's not my fault um, and I have peace about it, right? Yeah. So whether the person never loves me again, never trusts me again from the addict's perspective, I can have peace about that because they're not the ones who identify me. God identifies, my identity is in Christ. And I can be assured and I can be confident in that. Yeah, it may hurt that those people don't trust me or love me anymore. They've walked away from me. 
Uh, but at the same time, I don't have to be destroyed by that because God's going to replace that with something else. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the same answer, really. The same answer to someone that's going through addiction. Peace and comfort, and um, that comes through Christ, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace from God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Uh, and I would just say this, how does it come? And he even asked for examples. Uh, what's the best way it comes? Does it come through small group or Bible study or having a reliable mentor? Miles, absolutely, all of those things. All of those things, but ultimately it comes from God and the things that you're doing to pursue him. Are you putting a godly man or woman in your life? Uh, if you're a man, have a godly man in your life. If you're a woman, have a godly woman in your life that you allow him to speak into you. Uh, are you studying his word with like-minded people in good fellowship? Are you reading his word? So all of those combined is just the pursuit of God to find this comfort and peace because if you go back one episode, it's our identities in Christ and that's where it comes from. Yeah, and I'm really glad you said that because it doesn't just hop happen automatically. You know, I mean, you might have so much assurance and confidence in your faith that you could find peace in that. But if you're not on a daily like surrounding yourself with the goodness of God. That means his word, his people, through prayer um, and fellowship. Uh, then you're going to lose perspective on what that identity is. Which means you're going to be confronted with shame and guilt and have now a warped version of what that identity is. That's it. That's all the time we have today. This is episode eight. Guess what we're talking about next week, Bruce? We're talking about stigma. Yes, we're going to address the stigma of addiction. I can't wait. Join us next time. Download it. Thank you. Love you guys. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.